Welcome to Firefox News Online, the world's number one internet radio and internet video broadcast. The rules apply. No personal attacks, threats, or hate speech will be tolerated in the chat room at any time. If you commit to these acts, you will be removed from the chat room and your chat will be deleted. Also, if we're using a phone line, the same rules apply. This is a roundtable discussion broadcast, so please, no cross-talking during the broadcast. And finally, the use of media materials is protected by the Fair Use Clause of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, which allows for the rebroadcast of copyrighted materials for the purposes of commentary, criticism, education, and news reporting. Firefox News Online Productions and the News Division adhere to the criteria of the Fair Use Clause 100% across the board. The views and opinions that will be expressed in this broadcast are that of myself and those who join me, and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of anyone else or this broadcasting service. And now, it's time for Firefox News Online. to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And now, America, it is time for Talking Points. The views and opinions expressed in Talking Points are that of the host and the host alone, and do not reflect the views and opinions of anyone else for this broadcasting service. The peace agreement between Israel and Egypt that was signed in 1979 was the framework, I believe, for the peace agreement in the Middle East that is happening today. I'm George Sinzer. Welcome to Firefox News Online. And as you heard, it is time for talking points. The Camp David Accords, signed by President Jimmy Carter, Egyptian President Anwar Sadat, and Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin in September of 1978, established the framework for the historic peace treaty. The Egypt-Israel Peace Treaty was signed in Washington, D.C. 
on March 26, 1979, following the 1978 Camp David Accords. The Egypt-Israel Treaty, signed by Egyptian President Anwar Sadat and Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin, was witnessed by the President of the United States at the time, Jimmy Carter. So these two leaders at the time, Anwar Sadat and Menachem Begin, the Prime Minister of Israel at the time, came together with Jimmy Carter and signed the Israeli-Egyptian Peace Treaty. Incredible. Now, of course, not to point out the obvious, but let's point out the obvious here. Jimmy Carter, a Democrat, managed to, through the Camp David Accords of 1978, bring together two world leaders and get a peace treaty signed in March of 1979. Now, no one at the time squawked. No one at the time said that this could lead to World War III and all this other stuff. But let Donald Trump, the current president of the United States of America, broker a deal. Yes, he brokered a deal that led to a peace agreement in the Middle East in our time. How is what he did so different in the eyes of Democrats from what their fellow Democrat Jimmy Carter did decades earlier? I don't see that there's any difference at all. Jimmy Carter was able to, through the Camp David Accords, broker a peace agreement between Egypt and Israel. Now you've got President Trump doing a similar action, not necessarily in Camp David, which would have been a nice setting, and it would have been a very historic event considering the Egypt-Israeli peace treaty was done at the Camp David Accords, right there at Camp David. Yep. So I'm kind of wondering why he didn't do that. Oh, because he dares to do things the way he feels they should be done. Now, I know that there are some folks who want to see President Trump gone. They want to see him out. Well, to those folks, I say, you're digging yourselves an early grave because, guess what? Yes, I'm going to say it, and it's going to be said time and again. And I think I've said it previously. Tough Twinkies, tit for brains. He ain't going nowhere. He's going to win the second term. And, yes, he's going to prove to you yet again that he is capable, ready, and willing to do whatever it takes to sponsor and foster peace in our time. He's also done some amazing things. I mean, you look at his first-term record, and it speaks for itself. Wow. Need I say more? (laughs) Actually, I think I will. When the Egypt-Israel peace treaty was signed on March 26, 1979, following the 1978 Camp David Accords. And I remember those courts. I remember watching the news, and I actually watched with a lot of interest because I wanted to see what would happen. I wanted to know if they could actually 
come together in peace. Well, guess what? Israel and Egypt have been at peace ever since. Wow, ain't that a hit in the head? So, let's fast forward to current times. Democrats are squawking that this is not a peace agreement, this is this, this is that, this is the other thing. They're calling it everything but what it actually is, a peace agreement, a peace treaty between many nations in the Middle East. Now, of course, the Palestinians are kind of pissed off about it. And what do you expect? They don't give two shits. They don't want peace. They want death and destruction. That's all they want. That's all they ever wanted. Uh, that and uh, they want to be recognized as a, uh, you know, all this other shit. And, well, whatever. So I think we're kind of getting into some muddy waters, though, with the Democrats when it comes to their interpretation of what President Trump has been able to do. Now, President Trump, of course, did the, what many thought would be the impossible. And I don't think it's impossible at all. I mean, peace in the Middle East? Yeah. And he's calling for more nations to come together. Now, Palestine, if you want to be a part of that, there's a way to do that. You need to stop doing what you're doing, stop bitching, whining, moaning, and complaining, you know, like the Democrats here in America do on a regular basis. You need to stop bombing people into oblivion. You need to stop murdering at the drop of a hat. And yes, you need to actually grow a brain cell or two. I mean, I believe it's Ilhan Omar, who is Palestinian. She's uh, always bad-mouthing our country. And she's a congresswoman. <laughs> yeah, I laugh at that because <laughs> if, she's, if she's actually bad-mouthing our country and saying things that could be taken in the context there and actually meant she would be and should be arrested for treason. Yeah, then there's that. But getting back to this uh, peace agreement, this peace treaty, this incredible peace agreement treaty, and it's actually both when you think about it, when you look at it, uh, instead of looking at it through rose-colored glasses like the Democrats. So you look at this and you say to yourself, okay, um, I wonder, I just wonder, what would it take to convince the Democrats that what President Trump did today in the here and now and what Jimmy Carter did in the past are no different from each other? They brokered peace. What part of that don't you understand, Democrats? They brokered a peace deal. Wow, there's an idea for you. But Democrats don't want to listen to such positive things being said about President Trump. They want only the negative. They want only the irrelevant. They want only the lies. It's incredible what the 
what the people on the national news networks, you know, like the like CBS, NBC, and ABC have said about what President Trump has done. And they have literally lambasted President Trump, lied about Trump in this regard, about the uh, peace agreement, peace treaty, as I said, call them both, because basically that's what it is. It's a peace agreement, peace treaty between several nations in the Middle East. Now, I've made the comparison between what Jimmy Carter did in 1978 and 79, collectively, and what President Trump has been able to accomplish currently. So there is a distinct uh, reality here. Both instances, decades apart, are almost identical with the exception of the location, the uh, agreement between Egypt and Israel happened at the Camp David Accords in 1978 and, of course, led to the signing of the peace treaty in 1979. But when you talk about President Trump and the way he went about it, he didn't do the uh, initial talks and everything at Camp David, but what happened is the same result. There were talks, there were discussions, they sat down, these world leaders, and they hammered out a peace agreement, peace treaty, call them both because that's basically what they are. It's an agreement to peace. And just think about it, America. Think about where this is taking relations between nations. It's really interesting when you stop to think about it. And it's also historic. So Democrats, you can bitch, whine, moan, and fucking complain all you damn well please. As far as I'm concerned, President Trump did the impossible, and he did it with style and class, whereas I doubt you could have done any better. In fact, I know you couldn't have done any better. Joe Biden could never do what Trump has been able to accomplish. It's that simple. So, Democrats, sit down, little boys and girls, shut the fuck up, and please... Don't open your mouth. Let the grown-ups talk. Okay? Good. Glad you understand me. Hashtag FFNOP. Hashtag FFNOP. Trend this broadcast all over the globe on social media right now. And with that being said, it is now time, as always, for the rest of the story. All right. Here we go again. We're back, folks. Sorry about last night. For some crazy reason, my desktop computer, the main broadcast computer, uh, would not let me stay connected to the Internet. I was having a lot of problems yesterday with it. Uh, But rest assured, that is no longer the case. As you can see, we are live, large, and in charge from our Hudson Valley studios here in New York. And... Like the kids said in that, I think it was Poltergeist. I'll paraphrase that. I'm here. Live and large and in charge. Like I said. So, uh, there it is, folks. (laughs) And, of course, 
A heartfelt welcome to the folks on watching on the video platforms, especially Cherokee Rose and Jean Francisse. I think it's I think I'm pronouncing it right. Or maybe I'm not. I don't know. But Jean, welcome. Cherokee Rose, welcome. Got Gunslinger hanging out in the chat room. Got a couple of uh, guests listening in on the Mixler side of life. And, of course, you can join me here on the broadcast easy enough. 347-945-5747. You know, a couple of things that I I left out of my talking points, you know, because of time constraints. Uh, That was with the intro, uh, a 12-minute long uh, talking points. I try not to go that that long. I don't. I try not to do too much. I mean, there is no such thing as too much information. But hey, I'll tell you something. Between you, me, and the lamppost, sometimes too much information can be a good thing. Seriously, it can. Uh, So, when Jimmy Carter uh, was president of the United States at the time, uh, it was not an easy job. It truly was not an easy job. He had his hands full when it came to uh, brokering a peace treaty with Israel and uh, Egypt at the time. And if you look at the at the uh, at the situation at the time uh, uh, that this was going on at uh, with the Camp David Accords, uh, both countries were battling each other with words. Uh, and I memory serves, it was there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of fighting going on between the two nations. <clears throat> and what took place. And what has happened since uh, speaks volumes. It truly does speak volumes, uh, because now let's let's look at this in the historical context for for what it is. The two nations were virtually on war's foothold. They were virtually on just just half a step away from. Uh, bloodshed, massive bloodshed. But Jimmy Carter, and and this is the difference between Democrats of then as as opposed to now. The Democrats then, yeah, they they argued with both with the other side of the aisle. They had their moments. They they did all these things. They 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 yelled and. And screamed and hollered, and you know, not a, not a lot got done, of course, then too. But it wasn't it wasn't the way that you see it today. Thanks to the 24-hour news cycle, I'm going to say this, and I know that there's Democrats out there in in the political circles, you know, people like Schumer, Feinstein, and others, who if they get wind of this. Know, that I said this, 
they're not going to be very happy. But I don't particularly care. Um, what happened is the way the way I see it is this: the Democrats of today are power mad despots with delusions of grandeur. They are they're believe me when I tell you, they are the true epitome of uh, of egotistical, maniacal windbags. They talk a lot and accomplish nothing. They, in my opinion, suffer from what, what is commonly known as megalomania with just a touch of grandiosity mixed in. Trust me, if you look up megalomania, you'd understand what I mean. Joining me on the line right now is Gunslinger from the Lone Star State. How are you holding up down there, Gun, with the hurricane having made landfall? Did it bother you guys at all? Nah, it didn't. It, 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 uh, it changed direction. You know, it headed northeast, I think, so uh, we, didn't, we didn't even get a, a drop of water out of it now. Now, if it turned the other direction, we would have, but, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I know that, that uh, Alabama got hit pretty hard. I mean, I saw images of Mobile, Alabama, and they were, pretty, they were hit pretty hard by it all. So, um, yeah, if you, if, you lived down, if you lived down by the coast or along the coast, yeah, you probably – they said they was anywhere up to fifty inches of rain or something. I mean, crazy flooding, all that stuff. That's what you get when you when you live on, on the coast. You know they're going to come eventually. <laughs> yeah, you might want to check your uh, settings. You're you're overmodulating again. Again. As soon as you connect up, you should check your mic settings before I open your mic. So this way. <laughs> this That's way what I know, did. Oh, right. shit. Some bitch changed again. Yeah, yeah, fucking thing changed again. I fucking did it right as it was connecting <clears throat> and went and dropped, dropped it back down. And I always had to, damn thing's got a ghost in it, shit. Oh, micro shaft, excuse me. <laughs> There's your ghost. Yeah, micro shaft, micro shit, same thing. But yeah, it, it's, it, 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 those living on the coast probably were hit the hardest, I know that. Um I've got a cousin in North Carolina, I've got, um, a friend in North Carolina uh, who I don't know if she was in the general vicinity of that or if her town is anywhere close to where that hit. But by the time it gets to her, it'll, it'll be, it'll be just a tropical storm at best. But yeah. And it was only a category one, <laughs> thankfully, but even a category one did, can bring some heavy destruction. I thought it would have made landfall. I think it was a two, wasn't it? 
Something. No, it, it, it made landfall as a Cat 1. They said it was going to be a 2. <clears throat> Very interesting. Still a lot of rain. Oh, yeah. Definitely a lot of rain. <clears throat> so, here we have... Uh, this peace agreement that was uh, hammered out by President Trump. He did not use Camp David the way Jimmy Carter did decades earlier between Israel and Egypt, but he certainly um, he he was still able to broker a peace agreement between uh, you know w- between Israel and and uh, and the, I believe it was the Saudis and. Everybody's saying it's not a peace agreement. They're all th- CBS, NBC, and ABC threw everything negative about it that they could make up. Why is why is it that four nearly four years later, the Democrats still haven't resolved themselves to the conclusion that they lost 2016? They need to stop bitching, bellyaching, and moaning. They lost their attempt to get him tossed out of office. Oh, yes, they got the impeachment vote, but the uh, removal from office failed. Everything they've tried has basically failed. So when is it, Gunslinger, that the Democrats are going to actually get off their asses and realize they are screwed? They can't beat him. That is a very simple word for that. Never. Okay. (laughs) They're never going to do it. Okay. These people are on such a power base. They're on such control freaks, as I like to say, instead of many, many many times. They don't want to upset the apple cart. Trump is upsetting the apple cart very bad. Okay, and when you upset their power structure and their their command, you know they're you know they're better than us. You know that that's what they think. Um, <clears throat> this is what you get. Okay, uh, look at the we said this before. Look at creepy old Joe. Okay, he's been in there fucking forty seven fucking years and ain't done a fucking thing for this country really would help. Trump's been in there less than four years, and he's done a zillion things more than Biden would ever have fucking dreamed of in his fucking 47 years. So, see, there's that power structure. They're all guilty of Biden, uh, uh, Piglosi, Schmuck, you know, <clears throat> they're all been in there so long that they've got it set their ways that they want to do and when somebody comes in different, okay, this is what you get. That's exactly what you get. If that, if if Trump would not have done what he has done, they might have gotten along. I doubt, but maybe if Trump would have went along with all the Democrats and what they wanted to do, 
you know, good old boy system, buddy-buddy system. But since Trump is opposing him with things that will benefit the country, obviously, boy, they hate it. <laughs> boy, they hate it. I mean, they have nightmares over it, I'm sure. Okay? And this is what they're going to continue to do. Okay? Unless they get one of their buddies in there that they can, you know, play like a, like a, got strings attached and all that shit, uh, they're going to continue down the same, same primrose path. It, yeah, I, I I get the I get the distinct impression that based on uh, you know based on the way the, the way things have been in the last nearly four years, uh, they're not going to change direction. Uh, there are there's a hundred there was one hundred Democrats. I'll give you another, I'll give you an, uh, an example of of just how stuck between stuck on stupid some people can be 100 democrats wanted wanted to do these do things right they actually wanted to uh to get this stimulus stu- stuff done to help the american people but unfortunately the speaker of the house nancy pelosi decided oh no 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 we are not going that way no, we're not doing that. For, screw that. You do what I say. Miss Power Mad Despot. Yeah, she decided to squash a lot of things that, that needed to be done. They want their, their pork barrel spending. They want their, uh, uh, they want their little uh, shit items thrown into these bills, you know, the trillions of dollars of, of, of stupid that they want to spend the taxpayers' money on. But when it comes to helping the taxpayers, when it comes to helping the businesses, when it comes to helping, period, during this pandemic, they don't want to do a fucking thing. They just want to sit on their dicks and, and, and play with themselves. You know what I'm saying, Dan? Well, yeah, that's that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, they're not they're not helping anything. What are they helping? Actually, they're they're the problem. If they would just keep their fucking mouth shut, pipe down, keep their fucking mouth shut, then things would probably go a hell of a lot better. Okay, but when you open your mouth and you throw a monkey wrench into the gear system, look what you get. You know, they're there to cause problems. They're not. They're not there to solve problems. They are there to cause problems. And Trump is just the opposite. He's there to solve the problem, and he has many times. Well, yeah, he's he's definitely there to solve problems. That's part of what a president does. And, you know, I, I kind of get this impression that uh, it, if Joe Biden, by some slim miracle, gets into the White House, they're going to find a reason to find him incompetent and move Kamala Harris up to the office of president and then Nancy Pelosi would have to resign as Speaker of the House 
and resign her position in Congress and move up to vice president's to vice president job. Now, no offense to, to women everywhere, but these are two women I can safely say this about. Between Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi, neither one of them have enough brain matter to even think of what they want in their coffee in the morning. So, yeah, I don't think that I, I don't think what I just said was too far over the top. Was it gun? <clears throat> Not when it comes to those two idiots. I mean, well, you talk about a pair made in hell. Those two are. Okay, they ain't got enough. <clears throat> they ain't got enough sense that God gave a kiss ant. Okay. Because look at what their actions have done. Both of them. Nothing. They're both corrupt. They're both corrupt as the days long. The days pretty long. But go ahead. Mm, tell me about it. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna make. I. I. I this might make you laugh. It's a serious story, but it, it'll make you laugh, I think. Um, we all know of his honor, Mayor Bill the fuck up Blasio. Yes, I said build, build the fuck up Blasio. Well, seems that his honor of New York City is going to furlough himself and nearly 500 staff members. Her? Get this, folks. According to this, New York City's mayor and all of his staff will be furloughed without pay in an effort to recover from the pandemic, starting October 1st. Mayor Bill de Blasio and his office of nearly 500 workers will go without pay for one week. Mayor de Blasio stated, I'm announcing that as of October 1st, every mayor's office employee will be taking a furlough. That's obviously include, that obviously includes myself. This is what the mayor said. The furloughs will be spread out from then through March of next year, the move is intended to close the gap created by major revenue losses during the pandemic. The folks who work here throughout this crisis, they have been working 80, 90, 100 hours a week, 80, to 80 90, 100 hours, 100 hour week, sorry, because they believe in this city and they've been fighting for all of you, stated de Blasio. So it is with pain that I say they and their families will lose a week's pay. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, he posted the following on the New York City page. And, of course, you know, it's 
unbelievable. But the article goes on to say the furloughs are projected to save about $1 million. De Blasio Blasio has said he's hopeful this will be a beneficial first step in recovering the city's budget. This is a step you never want to see for for good, hardworking people, he added. Uh, yeah, I don't know about this. I, first of all, a million dollars for the city's budget? For a city the size of New York City, that's just a drop in the bucket. That's just a drop in the friggin' bucket, folks. That is, by and large... That's that's nothing. The city budget is in the billions of dollars. So I, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Why would de Blasio think that it's a good thing to furlough 500 staff members and they lose a week's pay? Okay, you want to save the city money on the budget? I got a great idea. All those uh, pet projects of yours that are costing millions of dollars, why don't you take those pet projects of yours and bury them? Take the money that they, that they were getting and put it back into the budget. That would add up to, into, into the hundreds of millions of dollars. That would certainly help a lot. It would be a start anyway. And then, of course... How does your staff feel about being furloughed and losing a week's pay? Your staff members who have families. Mm, I'd love to know what they're thinking. But at the moment, I'd like to know what Gunslinger thinks. Well, like you said, a million dollars to a city that has, uh, you know, budget of billions, that's, that's pocket change. That's just coins in your pocket. He's probably doing it just to make himself look good. Oh, see what we did? Oh, look at what we did. We we traveled, We saved the taxpayers of New York City a million dollars. It's all just smoke and mirrors, okay? I mean, what's uh, like I said, compared a million to a billion, that's nothing, okay? And those people are going to lose a week's pay. I mean, I know they're there for a job. Okay, always screwing somebody. What's new with that idiot? <laughs> Lord, he's an idiot. Good. Mm, tell me about it. I mean, between you, me, and the lamppost, I think the Blasius finally lost his marbles completely. Seriously, I, th- I truly if he believe had any to, If he had any to start out with, you got to have marbles first to, in order to lose them. So I don't think he's ever had any. To lose, really. That, I mean, stupid ones, day ones, all the way down. You know, he's probably born stupid. <laughs> Wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and listen, I've got. Hey, listen, I've got a bag of marbles in in my in in, in my uh, bedroom closet somewhere. I'll be happy to send him those marbles. So this way, you can say, I, hey. Somebody found my marbles. <laughs> like I would do that. Hell no. 
there's a story behind that bag of marbles, and I'll tell it one day, but uh, not today. At least not yet, anyway. Yeah, but de Blasio is delusional, thinking that furloughing 500 workers and himself for a week's pay, I mean, a million dollars is not is just a drop in the bucket, like I said. And, and to me, that's, you know, that, that's hurting the staff, not helping. But what really gets me is the fact that, um, you know, this this bonehead is forgetting that New Yorkers are fleeing. Excuse me. It started automatically. But I'm going to play a clip here that may just help to explain why New Yorkers are fleeing because of de Blasio. And this is according to a New York businesswoman. So uh, let me move this over here, put that there, and... Hey, put it in the box there. That's it. And uh, trust me when I say... The New York exodus that began at the start of the pandemic has continued. Again, it cut me off. This is one of those situations where... People are starting to notice that the Blasio fuck up. Big time. Check it out. In New York. Uh, start it over again. The New York exodus that began at the start of the pandemic has continued, and New Yorkers are blaming Mayor Bill de Blasio and his policies for all of that. Here's one America's Caitlin Sinclair in New York. Evie, so nice to see you. New Yorkers need your thoughts. So first, can you start us off by sharing where the numbers of New Yorkers, the mass exodus, are coming from? Because we're hearing all sorts of things. A few months ago, we have a number from the office of Governor Cuomo that over 400,000 New Yorkers already left. The reason that they are giving is the uptaking in crime and the homeless and everything else, all the policies basically that de Blasio has in place in the past two, three months. And speaking of de Blasio, the, the mayor made a statement the other day saying the media is exaggerating these numbers. So I don't know, are we making false claims? Because I see a moving truck at every street corner. Absolutely not. Uh, the number I just said before came from Cuomo's uh, uh, office. And realistically, I think the number is even higher than 400,000 people. Uh, but that's all that has been recorded. And, uh, uh, you know, it's going to take a few more months before Cuomo's office will give us an updated number, basically. 400,000. Wow. Uh, I want to touch on this recent poll by the Manhattan Institute. They found that only 23% of respondents in the Bronx were actually happy in their current neighborhood. Uh, Out on Staten Island, 26% told the pollsters they would move somewhere far away from New York if they could pick anywhere to live. Is this the same message that you hear when New Yorkers come to see you? Why do they tell you that they want out? The reason people are moving out is because the businesses are closed in New York. The crime has gone up tremendously. And the mayor has been defunding the police. You know, New York has never been this dangerous. So um, it's going to get even worse at what we have seen. 
unless de Blasio himself changes certain policies and strengthen uh, NYPD. Evie, I know you specifically specialize in commercial real estate. Can you tell us what kinds of patterns you're seeing and, and how is business overall? We're still in New York City, so the real estate market is not good at all. Uh, it has been very slow, and I've seen a lot of my buyers and sellers trying to focus on shifting the purpose uh, of the asset they have. For example, hotels at this point needs to to um, to be readjusted, meaning uh, they are converting them in residential properties and so on. If you look at the residential real estate market, New York City eventually. Uh, has lost over 60% of the sales volume. Well, we hope those sales start to come up very quickly. Evie, thank you. Want to see more videos like this? <clears throat> what do you think of that gun? Well, you know, you can't blame those people for getting the hell out of Dodge. Okay? I would do. Fuck them. High taxes, crime rate, um, screwball gun laws. Uh, there's probably a, a, a dozen more reasons to get the hell out of Dodge here. So they're doing it to themselves, okay? Which is, hey, I think it's funny, okay? Let them, you know, if you're going to hurt them, hurt them in the pocketbook. Now they say all, goodbye to all them taxes, all that tax money, okay? And there's probably some of the wealthy people that's leaving there, leaving New York. They can afford to do it. So, and they're taking the money with them. And <laughs> they're just screwing themselves, okay? It, it really is. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, New York City, uh, by, by and large, is a, um, it's a major <clears throat> uh, tourist hub. It's a, a major hub for business, uh, the financial markets, and so forth. And what, what I'm seeing here and what a lot of people are seeing with New York City uh, because of de Blasio's policies and because of de Blasio's actions, uh, it, it says to me that here we have uh, a, a very serious situation where if, if businesses keep leaving – it's not just New York City. It's the entire state of New York uh, where businesses are, are leaving because of things that even Cuomo has done. Um, you know, people that can afford to leave are leaving. And people who can't afford to leave, like myself, you know, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame because... You know, a lot of us here in New York who, you know, who were born and raised in this state, uh, we're seeing, you know, for the last decade, a very, a very bad and very uh, destructive pattern. Now, I add insult to injury, and they talked about the, they were talking about the, um, the, um, the, 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 the crime rate going up. Since de Blasio defunded the police and switch it, and then of course the um, the anti crime unit uh, being disbanded, uh, those two actions in and of itself have created a, a crime rate that's higher now than it's been in in years. 
So we're, we're kind of seeing a, a very dangerous pattern. And Democrat-controlled states and Democrat-run cities are, are almost, in a way, starting to mirror what de Blasio and Cuomo have done. So it doesn't matter where you go, it's, it's a, very, you know, a very dangerous pattern. Even, even some Republican states have had their share of problems um, with the crime rates going up because of all the Antifa BLM bullshit. So we're kind of, we're kind of seeing, uh, with businesses leaving New York, we're seeing, you know, they have, a, they have a valid reason to leave, no doubt about that. They shouldn't have to be forced to leave, though. But because of high taxes, because of high crime, it's becoming a, a, an unfortunate situation. And an, and an intolerable one at, at that, too. Uh, Cherokee Rose, watching by way of Periscope.tv, uh, says, you know, in regards to the, the furlough story, terrible for his staff losing pay, and right before holiday season begins. And, I, and, and, you, and yeah, Cherokee Rose, absolutely. This is, this is something that you don't want to see happen. You don't want to see people uh, being put behind the eight ball financially like this. So we're, you know, that's what we're seeing, though, unfortunately. And uh, in regards to the exodus of, of businesses, um, she just said all Cherokee Rose could say is, wow, New York exodus. You know, it's, it's like it kind of reminds me of uh, that movie Escape from New York. But I hate to say it, but no matter where you go, you're going to run into similar problems. If not uh, with the gun control laws out of control, you're going to run into high crime rates in some places. And, uh, you know, it, it's a damn shame. It truly is a damn shame. But, you know, people are going to do what they feel they have to do. And these New York businesses, um, the, the effects uh, may be small in, in a sense, but it'll be, cumulative, it'll be a, a cumulative effect uh, because that's, taxes, that's, tax rate, that's taxes that New York City loses from these businesses. Uh, and the same thing goes for New York State as a whole. When, when you talk about you know, businesses leaving New York State, you know, the, the, the tax rate, the taxes collected from these businesses uh, cut into um, the financial budget of the state. So when the city's budget, you know, that million dollars isn't, that, that's, that's peanuts compared to the millions of dollars in taxes lost each year because businesses are leaving New York City. The millions of dollars that are lost in taxes because businesses are leaving the state. So, you know, listen, I'm, I'm no tax genius. I'm, I'm, I'm no financial wizard. But I can read the writing on the wall clear enough. If the people of this state and the people of New York City are, are smart, they will not vote for a Democrat ever again. They'll vote for somebody with more brains 
and 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 that applies to the legislature in New York State too. You know, get these folks that are that are hurting our state and our cities out. If they're Democrats, vote them out. Just get rid of them. Bar none. Just throw them the fuck out. Say, fuck you. Get the fuck out. And be done with it. The effort one one state is putting the push on to have a, to do a recall of its governor, and that's California. I'll tell you what, take a listen to this, guys. The effort to recall California Governor Gavin Newsom is gaining support across the Golden State when America's Pearson Sharp sits down with the campaign organizers. Recalling California Governor Gavin Newsom has become a rallying cry for residents across the state since he took office early last year. One American News spoke with the leaders of the latest campaign to remove the governor, recall <laughs> Gavin 2020. The organizers say they're trying to give people a chance to change the radical direction California is headed in. Well, it seems like if there were ever going to be a time to recall the governor, if people were ever going to have the reasons they needed to recall the governor, now would be the time. Well, now is when you're experiencing all of those reasons like a tsunami. They're all hitting at, at, at the same time. And what's amazing is that, you know, the meme, you have one job. Well, a governor has got to give you uh, prosperity and safety yep. and competency, and he has given us none, even before coronavirus hit. So we've been talking about what Governor Newsom hasn't been doing. Uh, Trump called him the do-nothing governor. <laughs> what has he been doing then? Why do the people of California want to get rid of their governor so badly? So the criminals get out of jail. That's <laughs> what Newsom's been doing. <laughs> So the criminals are allowed to leave the prisons. I can't leave my house to work. And if you can stay in your house and work, you can't be an independent contractor. Your kids can't go to school and your small businesses can't open. So it's really hard to say what Gavin has been doing and hasn't been doing. He's basically not allowing the citizens of California to do much of anything, unless of course you commit a crime then it seems you can do kind of what you want. It's a complete dictatorship with capricious rules. I'd even be okay with a benevolent dictatorship <laughs> if the trains ran on time and the power was on. But since he can't manage those basic things, I think people are very disappointed. And that's one of the big things is the power, because back in 2003, that was one of the main reasons that Gray Davis, the only other governor who's ever been recalled, was recalled because he couldn't keep the power on. Right. I mean, there's, there's a baseline level of service that you expect. And when you pay the tax rates that we pay in California, which we all know, the highest yeah. in the nation for everything, um, and you get services that aren't as good as a third world country, and I'm from a third world country, so I can say that, we, didn't, we don't run things like this. Another big issue is probably first and foremost on everyone's minds right now, and what has probably turned a lot of people political who weren't before, is his response to the coronavirus. What are your thoughts on that? I think people are angry and I think they've had enough to epic levels. I have never seen anything like this. They have overplayed governance uh, to the point where those who are being governor, governed are not, are, are not going to support anybody who behaves that way as a leader. <laughs> this movement was started by the people, the people in the middle. Um, and literally, again, has crossed it, I've never seen anything unite California like the recall of the governor. 
what are some major obstacles that you're facing? Uh, time and money, I'd say at this point. You have this many volunteers, you've got to give them signs. You've got to print petitions. You've got to distribute petitions. You've, you've got all these different things, and then that's all before you can even reach out and grab all the people who are like, hey, I want to help. I don't know where to go. So, What is your message to the people of California? I think California is worth fighting for. Yes, there are people who go, California. But the truth is, as Ann said, Stuff that happens in California does not stay here. And when we have the wacky laws that you and other states may like to laugh at and the fiats and the, the weird rules, companies only print one set of textbooks and they're gonna be California compliant. They're gonna make you know, products that are California compliant we will destroy by infecting the rest of the country. So if you're in another state, send money to the recall movement so that it stops here. Yeah. Yeah. This is probably one of the last chances California has to really change the direction of the state. Um, recalling Gavin Newsom is our way of taking California back to the Californians and getting the will of the people done. It has to be done. And we could have a new governor by March. Pearson Sharp. One America News. So there is this growing movement, and it's been growing for a while now, uh, to recall Gavin Newsom. And if the people of California are thoroughly fed up with his bullshit, I'm wondering what's taking New York State so long. Why are they taking so long to do something with, with Cuomo? But I, I don't know. It's an insane situation. And like New York, California is a liberal state. California is the West Coast uh, liberal state that's, that's comparable to New York. When it comes to when it comes to stupid, fucked up laws and situations. All right, you heard what the clip, what they said in the clip, gunslinger. What do you think? Well, I've never been to either one. Really, don't really want to. But when you have, like you said, liberals, okay, there's there's the problem that you can start right there. Okay, anything, any place that is controlled by these liberals, okay, you're going to have problems. I don't care if it's, well, without there, you see that it's, they can't even keep their fucking power on, okay? Uh, why? I mean, <laughs> there's got to be a reason. Oh, that's right, they haven't been any logging in 25 fucking years, and the brush piles up and all this shit in the forest and you know <laughs> and it's the area okay it's always been like that and it probably always will be like that okay because you have those, those what do you call them Santa Ana winds or whatever and you, you put power lines through an area that is known to have high velocity winds at times Guess what's going to happen? <laughs> You're going to get a spark somewhere. Okay. The second cause of these fires. The first cause is lightning. What are you going to do about that? 
Okay. How are you going to stop the lightning? You're not. Um, could they put these things underground? Yeah. I knows how much that would cost. Ooh, you talk about a pretty good sized bill there to put all them. At least maybe the big, the big major lines that are causing the problems. You know, the ones that go across country and, you know, it's got all the, the brush and all that crap under it. Maybe that's what they need to date. I don't know. But, you know, with PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, them motherfuckers, they some goddamn cheap things on this shit anyway. So trying to get these lines underground, yeah, good luck. <laughs> good luck on that one. So until they do something, it's going to continue and continue and continue. And I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. I, did, I really wouldn't want to be in their shoes because... To some of those problems, I don't think there is a solution. Like I said, how you going to stop lighting? <laughs> Good luck on that one. Okay. So I don't know. It's a it's a it's a it's a sticky situation. You know. Go ahead. Well, I think with, with Gavin Newsom, uh, recalling him is going to be is going to be a tricky, a very tricky situation. Um. It's going to take a, a massive, uh, a massive effort, which they are trying to do. They're trying to, uh, they're trying to put everything they can into this effort, and, it's, and it sounds like it has a fair chance of success if they can get enough people to sign the petitions. And I have a feeling that with with this, with the, uh, um, with with the people of California being thoroughly fed up with Newsom's stupidity. Uh, they're going to, they, they stand a good chance of getting it taken care of. And is, add to that his response in these wildfires, for example. His, his response has been, well, I'm not going to say it's been totally inadequate, but it's not enough. Okay? It's truly not enough. His pig-headedness and his... Uh, his, his inability, his inflexibility, uh, is preventing him from utilizing that wonderful thing called the phone. He could, e- oh, excuse me, he could easily pick up the phone, call governors from other states, and ask for help. Does he do it? Apparently not. They're still having an issue with the wildfires. Now you brought up. Uh, PG&E and, and possibly putting the, the lines on the ground to bury those lines on the ground is a financial undertaking that they should have started decades ago. They didn't. And they're not going to. Because that would be an enormous uh, they would have to pass the, pass the, uh, pass the cost on to the consumer. And I'm pretty sure that California's electric bills are are a, are a lot higher than than mine are by far. It's it's a catch twenty two. But I think, you know, is is it something that they they can do? And maybe get some uh, some aid from the federal government to do that? You know, to help with the cost. Of course they can. 
they really wanted to do that. But it doesn't seem to me like they want to do that. Not one bit. And it's a shame. Um, I've seen I've seen situations with California that almost mirror New York too much. Uh, when it comes to, to people leaving, businesses leaving. I mean, how many how many people from California have, have moved to uh to Texas? There's 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 been plenty that have moved to Texas, that have moved to other states where it's cheaper to live, cheaper to uh, to live and work. But get into some of these liberal-controlled states and the opportunities become less and less. Now, some folks have said, you know, they've said, why don't they move to New York? It'll be a little easier on them. <laughs> New York is just like California, liberal-controlled, liberal-run. And it's no better roses here than on the West Coast. So I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just wishful thinking. Now, I don't. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I just, it's probably not wishful thinking, but like I said, it's it's like with those fires out there. I mean, if I was the governor of that state, I'd be calling in the military. Okay. They got a lot of resources, okay, <laughs> quite a lot. Um, there's something I don't know. There's something there. Why don't they do that? It's beyond me because it sounds like they need every fucking person help that they can get, okay, uh, with tankers and firefighting equipment, bulldozers, you know, all that shit. That would that's a hell of a battle, and I'm not even a fireman. Okay, never was. But I've seen enough. You can look on the video. You can look on YouTube. You can see all that shit. The entire town is destroyed, burned. Is mm-hmm. there a way to stop it? I don't know. Uh, yeah, probably if you can manage your forest a lot better. But it sure is funny. You know, one thing, I was looking at a map of these fires, okay? I mean, it's just like it's up and down on the entire West Coast, okay? When you go north and you get to the Canadian border, there is no fires. What is I mean, is Canada immune to forest fires? They got forests up there too, you know. Uh, but why isn't um, Canada burning? Look at the map, and you'll see the fire stops at the fucking at at the line there. And you look at your coin. Wait a minute, if it's burning down here. Well, they got the same kind of wood up there. Why is it not burning up there? <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I, I, I think I can I can give a an answer to that. Whether it's the right answer or not, I don't know. But one possibility is uh they manage their forests better than than, than over here. They take better care of what they have up there. Okay, so it sounds to me like uh, 
you know, if if your if if um, your forestry service, say in Canada, uh, is doing a better job by and large than that in the United States, <laughs> that should tell you something right there, you know. And and that's just a guess on my part. Okay, I don't have the I don't have information on that. I'm just guessing here, but I'm willing to bet that it's a a, a fairly good guess. That uh, they 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 take care of things far better than we do here, and you know and it's funny because we don't have in New York we don't have wildfire problems here. I have not seen wildfires break out here like they do in California. Oh, we've had our share of brush fires, but they're easily contained and, and put out in fairly in fairly decent time. But when you talk about wildfires, that's a that's a that's that's even that, that's an even bigger thing. I mean I may be wrong but I can't but I don't I I can't recall a time when we had a major wildfire in New York State. And uh you know in fact that that might be worth looking looking up. Um let me see it's, here. It's the same way in Texas. We got forest in Texas here too, especially out in East Texas. Okay, West Texas is pretty dry, but it's but when you go from about half the state east, you got pretty goddamn good forest out there. Okay, I don't even, and I've lived here my I'm native Texan. I've lived lived here my entire life, and I never recall a forest fire in Texas. Okay. Uh, what is it? A different kind of wood or something? Uh, no. Okay. Um, so, what's you know? That's just it's just so strange. New York, like you said, never had a major forest fire. Uh, you get lightning strikes up here, up there, just like we get them down here. Okay. And yeah, brush fires or grass fires here and there, but they're easily contained. They don't do what they're doing. What it's doing out there. So what's so fucking goddamn is you know point your finger out there, and I don't and I don't even recall any any of the other states having major major fires like that. Do you? I mean, Oklahoma, uh, Florida, of course that's you know a lot of trees down there, but any place where there's a large forest, besides those points, besides the west coast out there, they. I don't, I don't know. I, I've never heard of it. Have you? <laughs> Weird. Well, as 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 strange as this is going to as strange as this is going to sound, Gunslinger, uh, this comes from a site called WildfireToday.com. Wildfire destroys 27 structures in Catskill Mountains. This was put out on May 5th of 2018. So. New York State has had wildfires, uh, most recently in uh, in uh, in the Catskills. Uh, in fact, I'm going to show. I'm going to see if I can show a picture here. Uh, I'll, I'll put. A, I'm going to share a picture in the chat room with with you, and I'll share it on the video. Uh, this is from yeah. two years ago. Yeah, I, I'm not saying uh, it, it, it's completely impossible, 
you know, as the old saying goes, a broken clock is right two times a day, okay? But, yeah, there's probably been, you know, nothing, I mean, some here and there. But that area out there burns every fucking year. I mean, as long as I can remember, they've had fucking forest fires out there for decades, okay? Very intense ones, okay? But, yeah, I'm sure there's there's other places, you know, here and there, but this doesn't rage like it does out there. I mean, that, that shit out there, I've seen the pictures. You've seen the pictures on, or you've seen the video on, on YouTube. It's a fucking inferno. I mean, it's like the gates of hell have opened up. You know, I don't know. Like I said, is it the, is it the terrain? Is it the area? Is it, There's got to be something that drives these things. Yeah. Well, the image that I that I showed on the on the video uh, feeds and I shared with you in the chat room is uh, is a shot from a fire in South Fallsburg, New York. I lived in I I used to live in South Fallsburg at one time. I know that area. But uh, check this out, Gunslinger. This was a vegetation fire in South Fallsburg, New York, uh, that grew to a five-alarm incident and destroyed 27 structures. Uh, The fire spread into two bungalow colonies, burning seasonal buildings that were unoccupied at the time. Uh, South Fallsburg is in the Catskill Mountains, about 40 air miles northwest of New York City. Uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a bungalow as a one-storied house with a low-pitched roof, also a house having one and a half stories, and usually a front porch. In the Catskills, these homes are primarily used in the summer. Now, uh The, the, the irony of this is uh, the fire was fought by, by 300 firefighters, mostly volunteers, from 39 departments in four counties. By the time they first arrived on the scene two years ago at this, at this fire, it was already moving through both colonies. So what happened in, in South Fallsburg, which is part of the Catskill Mountains, uh, is a, is rare. It is very it is true. It is a rare incident. Um, Cherokee Rose, again watching by way of Periscope TV, uh, said yes, and seems like there are a lot more fires this year. And yeah, there are. There does seem to be a lot more. And Cherokee Rose uh, said arson. Um, if I, I, I think you brought it up. There was a couple of people that were arrested up there in California uh, because of the fires that, that were that were started. Um, now, whether it was intentional or deli- whether it was deliberate and intentional or accidental, I don't know. But why would you get arrested if uh, you didn't do something 
you shouldn't have, like arson. You know what I'm saying, Gun? Well, yeah, I mean it's uh, I yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of them that was uh, that was arrested for arson too, yeah. But uh, it, you know these people, <laughs> you get you 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 get arrested for arson, you should have it should be mandatory life in prison, okay? Because look at what the damage that your little your little fire burning has caused, okay? I mean, trillions of dollars in damage. I mean, this this is going to be a big price tag. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a big price tag. And the way I see it is this: um, when you have, uh, you know a large territory being burned like in, like in California, uh, maybe, just maybe, it's something to, uh, you know, to look at very carefully. So, for a, oh, well, they sorry, said that, wrong, well. Uh, they said that, that uh, I think it was in either Washington or Portland, day before yesterday, the, it's the, it's, the air quality is the worst in the entire world. And that's bad, okay? <laughs> that is bad. I mean, you, you can see this map. I'm going to put it in the uh, chat room there. That this is, the, this is where the fires are located, up and down the West Coast. I mean, gee whiz. That's, there's a hell of a lot of fire out there. Okay? Fucking amazing. You got to scroll about almost halfway down, but there's a map there. All the way from almost San Francisco all the way up to Washington State. Into Idaho, Nevada. Look at all the goddamn place. Yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking at that now. Uh, And I'm going to um, <clears throat> I'm going to open Google Maps here. And of course, I got to scroll out a little bit here. So as I move across the United States, now if you look. I'm going to show this on the video feeds. Um, and what I'll do is, I, before I do that, though, I will take a... Um, let's move out here. There. I'm going to take a, a screen capture of what I'm looking at. Okay. Because I'm gonna, I'm, I want to show this uh, as well, and let's just line this up like so. There we go. 
So let me show you. Um, see if I can get a open this up. There we go. What you're about to look at, folks, on the video feeds, uh, is the. Um, well, you will see it in a, in a moment. I want to show. I'm going to show this to uh, Gunslinger because. I want Gunslinger to see the other map that I had screen captured just now, and, I'll, and, and I will allude to this to this map in, in a second. So here is the wild the West Coast wildfire map that Gunslinger was referring to, and you can see. Uh, and hang on a second here while I. Uh, get my pointer back in place. So oh, not going to let me uh, it's not showing it. Okay. I need to change off of that for a second. I'll move back. Right. But from San Francisco, you've got all these wildfires, and right there on the border of Nevada and San Francisco, you've got uh, wildfires cutting in between the two states there. Then as you get up into Oregon, right at the edge of the, uh, the, 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 the state line, you've got at least Two wildfires, two or three on the that are on they're on that are bordering between California and Oregon. One that's in Oregon, right at the edge, right by the edge of the of, of the uh, the line there uh, between Nevada, California, and Oregon. And then, of course, you've got a lot of wildfires that that have cropped up in Oregon. One that's in that's in Idaho, and one that's on the border between Oregon and Ohio. Then uh, Washington State, uh, you've got at least two that are on the border. One that's on the very edge, not far from Portland. Okay, and then you get into Washington State, and you've got all these wildfires, with one right on the other side of, of Washington State in in, in Idaho. Actually, two, but the second, the next one is like right on the very, right, right on the very edge of the of the state line, and one that's right smack in the middle of the state line between Washington and Oregon, and one on either side of Washington and Idaho, rather. Uh, it's Washington, Idaho, not not Oregon. I apologize for the mix up there, but right above Washington State, you see the border line where it says Washington. Right above the right, and you see the dotted line right there. Well, now let me switch to the screen capture that I just took, and you'll notice that right where you see Vancouver, look right below that. You see that that gray line there. That's that's the, that's the border. That's the border between between Washington State and Vancouver. 
between, of course, Canada. Now, if you look, notice the wildfires in Washington State. There's one that's close to the that's a little bit close to the border, but not close enough. And then if you and if you look, there's no wildfires in Canada at all, like Gunslinger pointed out. So it kind of raises the question. Am I correct in, in my assumption that California takes care of its forestry better than that of the United States? Just looking at this, this, this West Coast wildfire map, I would have to say yes. Yeah, so <laughs> it definitely is something. And, and even Cherokee Rose noticed, that, noticed it, and she says, wow, stops at the border. So crazy, but think about this, folks. Now, this is this is what I'm what, what we're saying here. You know, the um, the border between Washington State and Canada. As soon as you get on the you cross the border into Canada, there's no wildfires. But yet, if you come from Canada over to here, you've got wildfires up the ass. And if you're not careful, you'll have to get your ass burnt. But, you know, it is what it is. 401 area code, go ahead. Yeah, hey, my cock's on fire. I was okay, that, you're, you're done. Goodbye. Another one added to the not allowed, not allowed on the line again club. But, you know... One has to one has to uh, look at, at the very nature of, of what's of how these of, of these wildfires. They're happening so much in a short space of time. Okay, that you know you, you kind of have to sit there and, and ask yourself: Are these being deliberately set? Yes, lightning strikes happen. That can account for maybe a small a small percentage of the wildfires, but not the amount that we saw in that wildfire map. Are people sending them deliberately? Again, that also could could contribute to a percentage of the wildfires. People still, even in this pandemic, they still go camping. Okay, so campers not putting their fires out properly could contribute as well to wildfires starting. So there's a lot of contributing possibility factors in all of this. Um, but from a firefighting standpoint, you have to you have to realize that the only way you're going to be able to combat this is they're going to, these these places where the where the wildfires are happening, uh, they're going to have to they're going to have to do something. They're going to have to call in mutual aid uh, because obviously there's there's uh, there's there's a lot uh, to combat. You know, and and for the fire departments in Washington State and California and Idaho and Oregon and Nevada, you know. You may be 
dealing with wildfires that are beyond your firefighters' uh, capacity to handle on their own. So calling in mutual aid from outside, from outside your state would certainly uh, be advisable and would, and would certainly be the correct course of action. Why Gavin Newsom hasn't done that is, to me, still, you know, completely, I'm, I'm completely befuddled by that. But then again, we're talking about a, a liberal Democrat that doesn't know how to scratch his ass without, without asking, how do you do that? So, there you go. And uh, Cherokee Rose uh, said just now on Periscope, it's sad, people. Children have died, people's homes and businesses lost. And you're right, Cherokee Rose, you know. And, and the sad reality is, unless the governor of California, for example, calls for mutual aid, and lots of it. There's going to be more loss of property, more loss of life. It's it's just a sad commentary of the way things are. And I can now see uh, wholeheartedly why the people of California are rallying to uh, get these petitions signed to have him recalled. Gunslinger? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, <clears throat> that's, wow, I mean, it's, uh, I don't, I don't know, maybe they should get a bunch of Indians out there and dance a rain dance, <laughs> okay, that might help, <laughs> okay. Um, hey, hey, wait a minute, I'm part Cherokee, and I take offense to that, sir, I take offense to that, sir, that's, that's, that that's, <gasps> oh, that's racist. Maybe, you, maybe they, maybe they can pay you to go out there and dance around. <laughs> Thanks a lot, God. Nah, just fill me up. Hey, listen. Tonight I'm drinking Fresca, right? Fresca soda. So fill me up with enough Fresca soda, and have my bladder fill up full. I'll I'll be happy to piss on the fires. I ain't got no problem with that. Hey, there you go. Get a bunch of people to drink a lot of water, a lot of soda, a lot of anything, except alcohol. You, especially if you drink 151 proof rum, you don't want to piss on a fire with that, and you're coming out of your. No, no, no. Because if that, no, you piss with that, you're set. No, you're, you're, the only thing you're going to do is have a flame ball, a fireball in your face. Uh, sure, I'll be happy to piss on a fire. Here we go. Well, that sure didn't work well. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I, I couldn't resist. It, it just—it's one of those things where you just have to have a little fun. So. You know, 
fighting a, a brush fire is easy. You know? It's fairly simple. You don't need, a, unless, unless it starts gaining traction uh, and starts to get away from you, uh, you don't have to call in for much mutual aid. You have mutual aid on standby uh, to help with your community in case uh, like a house fire breaks out or something like that. But when you talk about a wildfire, now you're talking about something where you have to create fire breaks and you have to have water drops and so on like that. And uh, if there's not enough aircraft to do water drops with, and there's another state that has that capability, ask that state for help. That's what I would do. If I were in Newsom's shoes right now, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be calling them up and saying, hey, you guys got uh, helicopters that can drop water on a fire? Send them our way. California will have to pay for it, but in the long run, that's the, that's the, that's, that's the one way that they can get get to attacking these wildfires water tankers you know another thing too and and some states have big water tankers that they can that they can send over you know you send enough of them bad boys and enough uh, water drop planes and helicopters you can make a huge dent in these wildfires you know as time you know, over time so again well, this is something that that governor Newsom should be doing or should have why he's sitting on his ass is Here, beyond me. Here's one. There's one problem with that, okay? Because there's so many of them up and down the deal. Is that there's so much smoke in the air, you can't fly. Okay, that's the, the they have a limitation on. You got to have so much visible, okay, where you can see, okay, and then if it's too thick or two where you can't see, then uh, that's why the air tankers are not flying. Uh, makes sense, okay, because you don't want to get, it's like flying in a, in a fog. You don't, you can't see the ground or you can't because there's so much smoke there, you know, it's it's too dangerous for them. Even helicopters, I think they, they have to have a certain, you know, a certain ceiling that they can see in order for them to fly. And then hmm. it takes time to, to, to read, to put the water in them. I mean, you just don't, I mean, these things, I think, uh, uh, what is it, Cal Far, it's a, that's actually a, where they're fighting the fires. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's I guess it's part of the state government or something, but it's called Cal Far, C-A-L Far. And they have like a couple of uh, converted um, 747s, okay, that they've ripped all the seats out and they just put water tanks in them. It takes, it takes a good half an hour just to re, re-water them, you know, refill the tanks up and everything. So that's a, it's a hell of a deal. It's a hell of a, I mean, if you go, if you could be a, be a pilot for one and saying, man, they, you, you pay, you get some good money. Let me tell you, they are high dollar. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. But now, now you just, you just made, the case for what I'm about to say, you know, you're talking about people who can, who can fly in these, in these kind of conditions too, that know that if it's, if the smoke is too thick, yes, you, you, you're pretty much grounded, but 
if there's a chance in some spots where the smoke is not too thick, where you can't see what you're doing, at least to a, a good uh, to a good degree, uh, they'll take the risk. They'll take the chance, and they'll they'll drop they'll drop the water on on those areas of the fire so that that doesn't spread any to spread outward, you know, and, and so forth. Um, what I think is 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 a real possibility. Um, yeah. When it comes to uh, when it comes to to water drops, is if they if if they know that the smoke is creating a a, a difficult ceiling of visibility, yeah, they're going to stay grounded, no doubt. But there has to come a there will come a point in time where they will be able to fly, where they will be able to do water drops, and if you can get enough uh, planes that do water drops and helicopters that do water drops, you get enough of them in the air simultaneously attacking the fire ad nauseum, um, there's a good chance you could, you could knock down that fire in, in, a, in a good stretch, which could lead to ultimately uh, the fire being put out over, over time. I don't know if you ever seen those videos of what they do. I keep up with that one guy on YouTube, that Bronco Lirio channel. He keeps up with the cow fires and everything. He actually, I think he, I think he was a certified one of them pilots that could fly that. He said years ago, that's how he started. But uh, he's, did you know that there are two planes involved? You know, you've seen the videos of the big tanker, the big old huge airplane dropping the fire retardant or the water or whatever. Actually, there's another plane involved. It's called a chase plane. He goes in first, okay, this little plane, to map out, and he's in constant communication with the big tanker that tells the big tanker where, which way to go, you know, which way to turn, you know, up or down or whatever. That's a very dangerous situation. Two or three of them crash like that. But I, I thought that was pretty fucking neat. Interesting. Well, I think... Um... I think what you know. I think in, in all my years in in the volunteer fire service, I've seen I've been up close to uh, tanker tanker uh, to hel- to helicopters that do water drops. Uh, I just happened to uh, hear about where one was being uh, shown off, and I I took a drive over to where that was, and I took one look at this helicopter, and I saw they 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 were showing people. You know the, the 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 tank for the water drops and and so forth and uh, they're saying how many you know, how many hundreds of gallons of water are are stored in these tanks you know are loaded into the tanks and then flown to where the uh, where the fire is and they do the water drop and that it's a very it's very precision flying uh, to do that. Because you're you're because you're carrying hundreds of gallons of water, uh, you 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 have to you have to really be on top of your 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 game when when flying like that, especially you know, like with a helicopter. Same thing with a plane too that does water drops. But the the pilot was saying that in his years of doing this, uh, he's only heard of maybe one or two incidents where. A helicopter water drop or a plane water drop came dangerously close to, you know, coming down. 
but the pilots being so experienced at what they do, they knew how to ha- they knew how to, you know, get out of the situation safe, you know, safely and stay flying. The problem for water with water drops too is, is is when, when you're talking about wind conditions. Uh, if the wind is blowing from west to east, of course the the, the pilot knows to move closer west so that if the if the wind is blowing hard enough it'll blow the water right into the target area so a lot of times you know that those water drops have to be they have to mathematically in their head figure out just how far uh, one direction or the other they have to go in order to make that water drop effective and he said, "With this helicopter, what we what we've learned is, uh, if the wind is blowing at say ten miles an hour, you know you've got to move a couple of a couple of miles left or right, depending on the the wind direction. If the wind is blowing the blowing it right behind you, you have you know you have to make the water drop at least at least thirty seconds sooner than you normally would have." Because the, the wind will blow the, the water right into the target area. It, it, it sometimes it won't. Sometimes it, it it throws it off, and that's the un, you know the unfortunate side of that. Okay. Now one of the things that I've I've discovered is that also when you've got people on the ground uh, creating fire breaks. Uh, they have to keep constantly listening to the radio to find out where the winds are blowing, how you know the, 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 what direction the wind is taking, how how you know how fast it's going, and so forth. So that they can, if they have to shift their efforts in making that fire break, that's what they're going to do. Um, I saw a video. Of this, uh, it, it was from a, a wildfire many years earlier. Uh, I think it was like five years ago. Uh, the video was, and what had happened was, uh, you had guys on the ground with cameras in their built into their helmets, and they were taking video of the area while they were doing the fire breaks, and you saw what these guys had to go through. No, I take it back. It was two years ago. I do take that back. It was two years ago. And the enormous effort in just creating fire breaks, the the manpower involved is incredible. If you have the manpower to do it effectively, but in a lot of cases like these California wildfires, that's a lot of ground to cover. So even having extra manpower would be a, would be a huge help in this situation. Yeah. If you look at that link I put in there, there's a picture of one of those 747s. United States' largest uh, tanker airplane, I guess you want to call it, our tanker airplane. Look how big it some bitch is. So you don't think it takes some skill and some time to... I think it holds 19,000 gallons of water, a fire retardant. Boats, like I said, they carry boats. 
That's a big fucking airplane. Okay. Hmm. Here. Yeah, this is it's a modified Boeing seven forty seven that's doing that drop. And that is one big hawking plane. When you look at something like that, that's that's a that's a super tanker. It says it right on the side of the plane too. Uh, it's a that's global why it makes super it, tanker. It makes it, yeah, that's why it makes it so dangerous. Because when you're flying something that big, that close to the ground, whew, you better know what the fuck you're doing. Okay, let's let's put it that way. You better know what the fuck you're doing. Because there's no room for mistakes. You know. There's no room for mistakes. Yeah, I want to. I want to share a couple of uh, images. I want to share three, at least three images. Um, but the one I'm going to share first is the image of what the plane looks like, you know, from the gra- while sitting on the ground. Um, Now, of course, uh, Gunslinger, you have the page in front of you, so I don't have to share the, the, the images necessarily in the chat room. Uh, but this first one that you're going to see, ladies and gentlemen, those of you watching on the video uh, platforms, uh, this is the, seven, the modified 747 super tanker. Okay? That, that bad boy, you look at that, and it's, it's just incredible. Um, I mean, this, the, the, you know, we're talking about a plane that's normally a passenger jet, okay? This is normally a, 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 a plane that carries passengers, but this was modified to do the job um, to do this, what you're now seeing on the video platforms. Uh, this is the, the, the same plane you just saw a second ago, doing a massive drop on a wildfire. Okay? So, when you see something like this, when you see something this massive, okay, doing something like that, here's a distance shot. Uh, Just look at that. And then to reload, it takes about half an hour from what Gunslinger was saying. So It takes about half an hour to reload that thing, but they could, that's a half hour, you know, that they have to do it. They, ha- they have to try and load it as quickly as they can, as safely as they can, because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to try and over, they don't want to do anything that's going to damage the uh, tank. So that, you know, that takes, a, you know, that takes the time it takes. And, but you look at something like this and you ask yourself, uh, why then is this situation in California taking so long to fight? Well, the smoke is making it difficult. That's number one. Number two, it, 
it's it's also depending on how many of uh, planes like this they have. Because they only have one or two. That's that's not enough. And I agree with Cherokee Rose, uh, who's watching on Periscope. Cherokee Rose said, wow, that's a huge plane. And uh, it is. It's, it's, it's a big hawking plane. I mean, that's... No... Look, for anyone who's ever flown, a 747 is a big motherfucker to begin with. Okay? Look at how many passengers a 747 can carry. Now, you rip out the seats, you, you, you rip out the, the interior to the point where you can fit a tank that's going to accommodate the kind of drops that are necessary to combat a wildfire. Now, think about how, how big that motherfucking tank has to be. Mm-mm-mm. That's, uh, that's a big boy. But, yeah, uh, you know, and like, like, like I was saying earlier there, you know, it takes at least 30 minutes, because think about it, this thing can carry 19,000 gallons of either fire retardant or water, okay? They got a pump sitting down yeah. there that can pump that can pump 1,000 gallons a minute. Well, that's 19 minutes right there, 19 minutes. Then, at the same time, you've got fuel trucks coming in there to refuel that baby, okay? And then the maintenance got to come in there and check everything and the wheels and the tires and all that shit. So you're... And by the time you taxi to the runway and get airborne, yeah, at least 30 minutes. I'd say maybe closer to 40 minutes per drop like that. And that's flat. That's not including the flat time from the airport to the fire and from the fire back to the airport. Did you follow me? That's a, yeah, that's a well, yeah. complicated system. Yeah, it is. And, and, and I do follow what you're saying, Gunslinger. It is. It's, it, it, you got to factor in... Uh, the refueling time, the, the maintenance checks of the of the plane itself, uh, from the landing gear right on right on up the line, you know, all the checks that they normally would do on a passenger jet of that size, they're doing on this and and even more because now you're talking about you know a, a tank that that either carries just regular just plain water or the fire retardant now. Um, I want to switch back to the to the two video to the two images I showed on the on camera a moment ago. What, what you're seeing coming out of this plane, it's red. That's that's fire retardant. Okay, that is a fire retardant. And um, what you when, when, so if it were clear, if it was just plain water, it would be clear. It wouldn't be uh, red like this. But nine times out of ten, you've got planes that do uh, fire retardant. You've got planes that also do the water drops. Okay, they'll hit with the fire retardant because that that will snuff out a fire very quickly. But they'll also follow behind with a water drop, just to make you know as an added insurance bonus. But these planes do take time to refuel. They do take time to reload. And of course, you got to check the landing gear and everything else, especially the, you know, I mean, the landing gear and everything is retracted into the plane, so you're not worried about the tires getting uh, burned or melted or what have you. But you are, you do have concerns of the landing gear being able to open because those are hydraulics. So you got to check all the hydraulic systems. You got to check everything. 
just like you would on a regular plane for carrying passengers, like I said a moment ago. So that's, that is really, um, that's a massive undertaking. But I think if the smoke wasn't so thick right now, they'd be able to run the flame retardant planes, the water drop planes, and so forth. Um, but right now, you know, things are the way they are. The only thing that might limit the amount of smoke in the air is if it were to start, if they started getting massive rainstorms, which would also help put the, which would also help with the, uh, uh, with, 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 with the uh, wildfires too. But Mother Nature has not been kind in that area. So it it is a very uh a very big undertaking, it's a very uh dangerous job. Well, I'll tell you a little bit how much of a fucking skill it's got to be to do that because it's a complete different flying from if you had passengers in an aircraft like that. When you when you take off, you're completely loaded with a fire retardant or the water, okay, almost 20,000 gallons, okay? Now, when you get to that fucking fire, all of a sudden, within 30 seconds, you drop that weight of that water. All of a sudden, the airplane handles differently. I mean, you, it's like night and day. You're coming in hot and heavy, okay? And then when you drop it, all of a sudden, you're dropping, well, calculate however much water weigh, 20,000 gallons weigh. That's tons of weight. All of a sudden, you're dropping it. Man, you like I said, you better know what you're fucking doing. <laughs> yeah. It's very skilled, very highly skilled to do that. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that takes a lot of specialized training, skill, the works. Because <clears throat> with a regular passenger, you ain't throwing your passengers out the window. <laughs> You're landing with the passengers that you took off with. Here is different. You're, you, you know, you're talking, you know, tons of weight. All of a sudden, boom. And it's different. It's a different mode of flying at that point. You know, crazy. That's why I get to pay the big bucks. <laughs> I, I'm going to show something here in a minute. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to. You're going to love this. Okay. Uh, because. I think this is gonna this is gonna just crack everybody up when they see this. Uh, I want to change gears a little bit, and I'm not logged into my chat room. How very rude! That's better. That's not fair. Now I'm going to share the link in the chat room with Gunslinger. But now I'm going to show this on on the video feed. Wait till you see this, folks. 
and I will scroll down. You, you see, it says you, know, you see where it says "Love this," and you see the arrow pointing to to a guy holding a sign. Folks, I found this just now on Facebook, and I just couldn't resist. There are two people with signs that's, that one says "Dump Trump," and the other one says "Trump equals liar." But the guy on the very left, closest to the road, has his that says, two dumbasses and the arrows are pointing right at them. <laughs> and the person who posted this, and the person who took this picture, wrote on it, love this guy. Obvious Trump supporter. So yeah, the dump Trump and Trump equals liar uh, protesters. Are dumbasses. <laughs> just a just a, you. just a quick quick fact. I just calculated this out. I, I we would say the thing holds nineteen thousand gallons of say water. You say water is about eight point five eight point five pounds per gallon. In thirty seconds, you're dumping one hundred sixty one thousand five hundred pounds. Think about that. 161,500 pounds. All of a sudden, in 30 seconds, you're that much lighter. Think about it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Incredible. Well. Let's uh, move along here. Uh, hang on a second. got to wait for this video to start so it doesn't bother my ears. I hate these auto-start videos. They're a pain in my ass. Used to be able to stop them and they'd stay stopped. Not anymore. Well, apparently uh, the Trump campaign asked uh, Twitter to mark a uh, Biden coronavirus ad as manipulated media. But, no surprise here, Twitter refused. Yeah, check this out, folks. The Trump campaign on Tuesday asked Twitter to label a video posted by Joe Biden's campaign as manipulated media over a clip that they say takes President Trump's words out of context and has been repeatedly fact-checked as incorrect manipulation. But the company declined to do so, according to emails. The video purports to contrast what Trump says in public versus in private on the coronavirus, accusing him of lying to the public. One of the examples of Trump's public comments in the video is from a February 4th... Uh, fe- <laughs> Let me try that again, folks. <clears throat> a February 28th campaign rally at which Trump appears to be calling the coronavirus a hoax. The coronavirus, and this is their new hoax, Trump is heard saying in the Biden video, the splicing is... It is identical to how 
the Biden campaign cut a video of the February 28th address in a March video that got four Pinocchios from the Washington Post and was panned by several other fact-checkers. The president said, uh, the president did not say this is their new hoax immediately after he said coronavirus in this original comment, in his original comments. As the ad makes it clear, and makes it appear, boy, I'm doing good, he made the hoax comment several sentences later. Trump was still talking about the coronavirus when he said the hoax part of the comment, but it was in reference to the media and how it covered his impeachment trial. The Post took issue with the edit, saying it was misleading. Trump was misled. Trump has misled about his administration's response to the coronavirus, the Post claimed. But that does not excuse this kind of video manipulation. This is a clear example of deceptive editing, specifically what we label omission. But the Biden campaign nevertheless re-upped its use of the clip on Tuesday, and after a request from the Trump campaign to label the video as manipulated, Twitter declined to do so, according uh, declined to do so. And Twitter, you know, Twitter said it, that it will not be labeling the video as manipulated media. Joe Biden relies on lies and fabrications and doctored videos to attract President Trump's phenomenal, to attack President Trump's phenomenal handling of the deadly virus unleashed by China. Trump campaign spokesman Matt Walking said in a statement, Slow Joe can't name a single thing he would have done differently if he had been president, other than refusing to restrict travel from China, which would have resulted in more dead Americans. Now, Twitter's refusal to label the Biden clip manipulated media comes as it has labeled several videos shared by Trump manipulated by by Trump manipulated media in the past, even when they are obviously parodies. Twitter, for example, labeled a parody video Trump shared of Biden apparently dancing to Fuck the Police by NWA as manipulated media on Wednesday. Trump, of course, has played down the coronavirus in some instances as recently as Tuesday night, claiming that it will disappear even if the United States does not develop a vaccine. Donald Trump is the most dishonest president in American history and one of the least credible human beings in the world, Biden campaign spokesman Andrew Bates said to the Post in March in response to its fact check of the Biden ad at the time. The Biden campaign did not immediately return any requests for comments to the media on Wednesday. Bates went on to say back in March, we don't trust his next day cleanup attempt, and he has made many comments in the same vein. The Biden ad tweeted 
Tuesday goes on to purportedly characterize what Trump says in private about the coronavirus. In quotes, phone calls of Trump speaking on the record to journalist Bob Woodward for his book on Trump's presidency in which Trump called the virus a killer and the plague. Trump, of course, was not speaking in private at the moment. It was an on-the-air conversation with a journalist. Further, Trump has used the terms plague and killer to refer to the coronavirus repeatedly in public, including before his April interview with Woodward. He called the virus a tough killer on March 21st. He called it a plague in a White House press briefing April 1st. These were not the only times that Trump called the coronavirus a plague or a killer. So we see the liberal bias of the social media platforms, especially Twitter in this situation. Twitter has decided to uh, attack President Trump but leave Biden alone. So you can see where their loyalties lie. They'll let Biden lie through his teeth all he wants, or at least his campaign, or both. But when Trump tells the truth and is honest and just shares a parody or two, oh, no, he's being dishonest, he's, being, he's lied to the American people, blah, blah, blah. So Twitter thinks it's going to get away with this. I think people need to stop uh, letting uh, Twitter get away with this kind of one-sidedness. But that's just my opinion. Gun? Well, you know, they don't want the truth out there. That's why they did it. I mean, you know, all these other idiots like Sleepy Joe... They tell nothing but lies, okay? And, you know, they'll accept the lies. But when President Trump goes in there, and he could say the same thing, but it's the truth, oh, they don't want to hear that. Oh, we can't have the, we can't have the American people knowing the truth. Uh, that's why they are so tight-lipped on what they do, okay? They don't, I mean... If if all that shit was to ever get out, what was that one? It was one of the Bushes, Bushy Boys, was caught on in an interview saying, "If the American people ever found out what we're doing, they chase us down the street, hang us, or something like that." Paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. President of the United States saying that. Now think about that. Let that soak in for a half a second. Why would he slip? Was it intentional? That he maybe may have wanted the people to know. And these people are up to no good. It's probably including him himself too. So you just don't you just don't say that just to just to be saying that for giggles and grins, okay? And you could hear him. He was says you could hear his voice. He was serious. <laughs> so what does that tell you? <laughs> yeah, I mean why would he say something like that? You know? But let's face the reality. We're talking about dishonest. Pre- we're talking about a dishonest president, aren't we? 
Well, most of them have been dishonest, <laughs> okay, to a point, uh, more so than others. But now you get an honest, or an honest president in there, pretty much, okay, and the truth is coming out, and they're going, you know, it's countermeasure. What can we do to counter this? How can we? Oh, see, he's lying. He's he's, a, he's the most lying president. Oh, look at this. He's terrible. Not working. Go ahead. Yeah, tell me about it. It's like, uh, you know, look, look, look at when Clinton was in office. I love using this example, folks. I really do, because it shows the stupidity of the left. Remember when Bill Clinton said, <clears throat> and I quote, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. But I got a blowjob under, under the Resolute desk. Uh, now, he didn't say that, but you know, I just threw that in for shits and giggles. But then he went on to admit, admit that he did something with Monica Lewinsky. So he admitted he lied, even though he was claiming to be telling the truth. Hmm, kind of makes you kind of makes you want to scratch your head and think about that, huh, folks? Of course, now we also know why Hillary stayed with him for political reasons, purely political reasons. Look at Obama, my favorite. Line in the world. Oh, let me see here. Let me see if I can track that one down. I have that clip on my on my blog talk radio switchboard here. So let's see. And I just got to wait for it to actually. Put in the search. Uh, let me see here. Now I just got to find it. Uh huh. It's here. I just got to. I just got to find it. Here it is. Folks, do you remember when President, then alleged President Obama said this? To the American people, if you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor, period. If you like your health care plan, you will be able to keep your health care plan, period. No one will take it away, no matter what. But didn't we find out later down the road that Barack Hussein Obama lied to us when he said that? Yeah, he did. But yet, President Trump has not felt it necessary to lie to anyone. But yet, 
The black-hearted Democrats have accused him of lying ad nauseum. Doesn't this reek of what they want is control over all of us? Doesn't this reek of something a little more like, oh, I don't know, progressive liberal tactics? Obama, you heard Obama say it. This was before the passage of the Affordable Care Act, when he was pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, only to find out millions of Americans lost their health care insurance, lost their doctors, and they weren't supposed to. He said, remember, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your health care plan, you can keep your health care plan. No one will take it away, ever. And that was a lie. So, yeah, these, these jokers, have, the Democrats have lied to us ad nauseum since Clinton. And the ones that are perpetrating the continued Obama lies are Sleepy Joe, Chuck the Schmuck Schumer, Fancy Nancy Piglosi, Diane Feinstein, Maxine Waters, you name them, they perpetrate the fraud every day, as the young people would say. Did I leave anything out, Gun? Did I forget something a Democrat, Democrat fools have said? Uh, you pretty much covered it, too. I think like everything else. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I mean, you know, not for anything, but I wouldn't want to be in their shoes when the when when the mobs start encroaching on their, uh, encroaching on their position. Because eventually, the the people that they have protected and lied to all at the same time are going to end up going to get their ass and kick it. They'll get their asses kicked. And I wouldn't blame people if they did. All right. So I can't keep putting it. I can't put it over that. It's got that sampling feature. Shit. President Trump predicts more Gulf nations will normalize ties with Israel. Now, if you remember, I started this broadcast bringing that up. So President Trump this. brokered the historic deal and now expects other Middle Eastern countries to follow suit. Here to discuss the significance of this event and what we can expect in the future is President of the Israel Allies Foundation and Director of Connected Christian Caucus, Josh Reinstein. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. 
Thank you. This deal brokered by President Trump received praise from both sides of the aisle as Israel is one of America's strongest allies. And President Trump said he believes other Middle Eastern nations will follow suit, specifically mentioning Saudi Arabia. How much pressure does this put on other Gulf nations to normalize ties with Israel? Well, this is an incredible success for the Trump administration. It proves that the uh, Netanyahu-Trump doctrine of peace through strength is what works in the Middle East. Uh, a lot of uh, moderate countries are not under really pressure to come to the table, but they want to, and now they have a reason to, uh, because they've seen the success of such a great uh, deal and how both sides are actually prospering from it. What's interesting about this deal is that it's based on peace for peace rather than land for peace, which was the failed formula before. And because it's peace for peace, we're seeing also not just the leadership, but the people of, Amer of Israel, the people of Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates, coming together as well. Now, President Trump said on Tuesday he would have no problem selling the advanced F-35 fighter jet to the United Arab Emirates, despite objections from Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Could this actually hurt U.S. relations with Israel? I don't think so. Uh, I think that a lot of those discussions are not held in front of the cameras, but behind the scenes. And I think that the relationship between Israel and America has never been better. Uh, I believe that uh, our Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, and President Donald Trump will come to an agreement on this, and that the talk of it is just trying to show some discord in really one of the most positive stories that we've seen in the Middle East in the last 20 years. Switching gears now, the leaders of Serbia and Kosovo agreed to normalize economic relations. A deal also brokered by President Trump with the Muslim-majority nations agreeing to closer ties with Israel and Serbia agreeing to move its embassy to Jerusalem, but then backtracking and saying it won't move the embassy if Israel recognizes Kosovo. Tell us more about the significance of this and what's at stake. Well, this was massively uh, successful. Uh, as you know, in, in 1995, they passed the Embassy Act in Congress, and then since then, every president, every six months, signed a waiver saying that they won't move the embassy. Why? Because it's going to lead to blood in the streets, a third intifada, another war. The Trump administration held their, to their uh, word, and they did move the embassy, even though other people said not to. And it actually brought the exact opposite. Now we see peace uh, in, in the Middle East. Now we're seeing countries moving their embassies to Jerusalem. So the fact that we have the first uh, Muslim country that is moving their embassy to Jerusalem and that peace is getting closer is really a testament to the success of the new doctrine of peace through strength that, that Trump is bringing to Israel. What he's saying is that Israel is the only free democracy in the Middle East, and we need to strengthen that. And in my book, uh, Titus Trump and the Triumph of Israel, I go into the reasons why also this is because of the fact that the base uh, who vote for the Republican Party and Donald Trump are Bible-believing Christians who understand uh, these needs so, so importantly. And it's interesting you say that because back when President Trump announced that the U.S. was moving its embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, there were some on the left saying, oh, this is, as you pointed out, going to cause violence. But then you saw other countries follow suit, Guatemala, for example, and now you're seeing this Middle East peace. And as you mentioned, you have a book that delves into President Trump's efforts to attain peace in the Middle East. What can you tell us about that? Well, you're 100% right. I mean, we're seeing incredible uh, support for the president's news. Even Malawi, the first African country, uh, just said that they're going to move their embassy to Jerusalem. So all those dire warnings that 
uh, this is going to lead to blood bloodshed was actually 100% uh, uh, disproven. And I think people on the left are, are starting to understand that land for peace doesn't bring peace in the Middle East. Strength does. Now, as you mentioned, I wrote a book. It's called Titus Trump and the Tribes of Israel. And what it does is it shows how uh, when Bible-believing Christians get involved with political advocacy for Israel, when Bible-believing Christians take their biblical support and turn it to real political action, incredible things happen. Because people who believe in the Bible are more qualified to understand what's happening in the Middle East than people who don't. You have to look at it through a biblical lens. And, and that's what we show in, in the book. But more than that, it shows and predicts that this is going to happen. And so it, it's a very timely book because um, it was written in January, February, and now all the things that we talk about are going to happen and are actually coming to pass. All right, Gunslinger. Given what we, what we know uh, of what President Trump has done in this groundbreaking uh, peace agreement uh, and more, more Middle Eastern nations are, are planning to sign on board with it, uh, with the exception of perhaps Palestine, um, I'm reminded, as I said at the top of the, at the, top of the broadcast, of the, uh, the parallels between what, what took place in 1978 at the uh, Camp David Accords that led to the March 26, uh, 1979 signing of the um, peace agreement between Egypt and Israel, the one that was signed by uh, Egyptian President Anwar Sadat and Israeli Prime Minister uh, Menachem Begin. So we look at this, okay, and we look at what they did then and what Jimmy Carter was able to accomplish. And I and I I am not taking anything away from Jimmy Carter. He may be a Democrat, but he did something that was historically considered impossible and still made it possible. And that peace agreement between Egypt and Israel has lasted all these years. Now, fast forward to our current situation, everybody that could, you know, everybody attacked the president because he said, you know, they said everything but the truth in some cases. So this peace agreement in the Middle East, uh, is this something that is likely to uh, not only take root and, and, and grow, but is it going to prove yet again that President Trump is a deal maker, that because of his skills in, in making deals, he was able to broker a peace accord between these, these nations? Go ahead. Well, you know, like you said, he's a he's a deal maker. He knows how to wheel and deal. Okay. Uh, more the merrier that joins us. That's always a good thing. Okay. Um, but it's only going to go to a certain point because, you know, you got countries over there that's not going to have nothing to do with it. They want they want to take over the world. Muslim countries are one of them. They don't want peace. I mean, look at them. Look at what they do. Okay. They want, they want to eliminate everybody, and I guess they want to rule the world by themselves. 
that that would happen, but, you know, they got, that's their screwball ideas. So, but as you get, the more that gets on to this, well, hell yeah. I mean, that's always a good thing, right? But you're still going to have your factions out there that not going to want any part of it. You're going to go ahead and try to blow everybody up. You know, that's the way the world works. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 there's going to be those who will not want to sign on board because, you know, they like the status quo the way it is. But I suspect there's going to be uh, nations joining in down in, in the Middle East that, for the for the lack of a better way of putting it, have been bitter enemies with Israel, and are finding that the old ways just do not work. Now there there may be some within the Muslim nations. Uh, certain some one or two Muslim nations may sign on to this thing, but there's no guarantee that they will live up to their end of the bargain. At the same time, too, it, we may get surprised, we may get shocked if they do actually live up to their end of the bargain. I'd be damn surprised if they did. But you know, I'm I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to say that it, it, it'll it'll be a failure right out the gate. But I will say caution is advised. But just the nations involved in this peace agreement right now, uh, this is a a historic opportunity, a very historic thing. And this is why President Trump was nominated not once but twice for the Nobel Prize. And if he wins the Nobel Peace Prize... That could all but guarantee his victory in November. You know that? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, that's uh, they ought to take it away from little bummer. He didn't do a damn thing to. I think he got one too, so he didn't do nothing to, to deserve that. Uh, Trump, on the other hand, has done something to deserve it. It's like respect. It's not given; it's earned. Uh, exactly. It, you know, it, it, respect is not a cheap suit that you sell and, and resell secondhand. Respect is earned. And when uh, Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu was at the White House to, to sign this peace agreement, you know, he he spoke of how you know, this is a you know this is a a, a a wonderful day for for the people of Israel and the people of the, in Middle Eastern countries that are signing on to this. And to get that kind of agreement from these nations that signed this peace agreement in the first place, that took major major footwork. And President Trump proved he's got he's got the he's got the skills to do the footwork. And for the Democrats to attack him and 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 say that this is going to lead to World War III and all this other crap, and well, they said the same thing about what happened in 1979 when the when Israel and Egypt signed their peace uh, treaty, their peace their peace agreement. Well, 
Didn't happen, did it? It ain't going to happen this time either. Hmm. Now, we've been hearing a lot about the vac- about this uh, coronavirus vaccine. Well, the federal government outlines a, it's the plan to administer a COVID-19 vaccine, which could come sooner than expected. All right, here we go. Federal health agencies and the Department of Defense have re- revealed a coronavirus vaccine playbook, which outlined how shots will be administered across the U.S. This comes as several companies are nearing the final stage of vaccine trials. In a report to Congress, the CDC put forward a plan they said is much larger in scope and complexity than seasonal influenza and other previous outbreak-related vaccination responses. Their playbook is geared towards state and local governments, which will take on the responsibility of developing precise plans for receiving and distributing the vaccine. Other details of the distribution campaign included its source of funding. The plan is currently set to be backed by taxpayer dollars, which will enable any American to get to be vaccinated without having to pay out of pocket. The plan will also require most people to get two doses of the vaccine. They will reportedly need to get the second dose between 21 and 28 days later from the same manufacturer. The government is hoping to launch the campaign gradually in January or possibly later this year. Resources will first be prioritized for certain populations, including at-risk groups, healthcare workers, and other essential employees. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar has reaffirmed the government will be working on all levels to ensure Americans can receive the vaccine as soon as possible and vaccinate with confidence. He also said Americans should know the vaccine process is being driven completely by science and data. There are over 170 possible coronavirus vaccines being developed across the world right now. At least 35 of those are under clinical evaluation. So the possibility... Uh, that this is uh, so. This is what what they're currently talking about. And in a related story, the chief of uh, the White House chief of staff um, Meadows is saying that COVID nineteen vaccine coming in six weeks or sooner. Now, it says here that that Mark Meadows, the White House Chief of Staff, has said he's confident a coronavirus vaccine can be ready within the coming weeks. 
On Wednesday, he confirmed the U.S. is advancing several vaccine trials at the same time and emphasized incoming data has been mostly optimistic. Meadows stated, I don't know that this is going to happen much faster. We'll get to a yes or no on whether it works at record speed. According to Meadows, phase three trials are likely to be completed before the end of October. After this, he has said the U.S. will have a proven working vaccine. I've actually talked with Pfizer C, with the to the Pfizer C to the Pfizer tongue tied the Pfizer CEO. They're very optimistic that they can have something by the end of October. Explained the chief of staff. Worst case scenario, we're talking six weeks based on his personal testimony, and there are others that suggest a more aggressive timeline. Now, Mark Meadows, the chief of staff to the White House, has also called on on House Democrats to reach a compromise on coronavirus stimulus legislation, which recently stalled in Congress. So with all this in mind, Gunslinger, if they're able to come out with, with a vaccine uh, within the next six weeks and implement the plan to vaccinate the population, could this lead to returning to what many consider to be our original normal way of life? Gun? Yeah, um, hmm. I we'll have to see how it works out. They should get the most at risk first, you know, the nursing homes and the hospitals and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, I ain't touching it until I see it works. I mean, you know, hell, it could give you the damn coronavirus. I mean, who knows? That's how they make the flu so-called vaccine or whatever. They give you the parts of the flu or whatever. So I don't know. It's a, it's going to be a tick-tock. We'll see what the clock says, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, the, the flu vaccine, okay, the, the, the flu, the, the influenza shots that we get every year, many of us, uh, is based on at least four or five strains of the flu virus. It's not necessarily going to affect the strain that you might get. Uh, And that's been my experience because not long after I get the flu virus, I end up getting the flu anyway. And on one occasion when I didn't get the flu shot at all, I still ended up with the flu virus. So it didn't matter. But like I said, the flu shot covers about four or five different strains of the flu virus. In this case, there's only one strain of the COVID-19 coronavirus. So in that, they may have a better, they may have a better chance than, say, with what they have with the flu shots. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a, there would be a, there's a, there's a point to that, yeah. Uh, but we'll just have to see how it plays out. Uh, me personally, I've never had the flu shot. 
I ain't going to take that shit. Sorry. Okay. It's just, I, you know, there's lots of people that, just like you said, you get the flu, sir, you still get the goddamn flu. What the hell good is a flu shot if you go get it anyway? Okay. Um, some people have died from it. Okay. From the flu shot. You want to take that risk? I don't want to take that risk. I'm not a risk taker. Okay, never was. Okay, I don't go out there and do stupid ass things. Even when I was a kid, I did stupid ass things. I damn sure I ain't going to do it now. <laughs> well, you want to talk about something that's really stupid? From Sleepy Joe comes this pearl of information. Biden says. He may have the authority to implement a national mask mandate. Take a listen to this. Joe Biden has reiterated he will implement a national mask mandate if he's elected president this year. During a news conference in Delaware, the Democrat presidential candidate said his legal team believes he has the authority to mandate mask wearing. This came after he previously stated He's not sure whether that order would even be enforceable. Biden claimed if he can't impose it, he will propose the mandate to every U.S. governor. He added, we must do it. There's a question. I think it can be answered in the positive of whether I can mandate over state lines that every single state has to comply Our legal team thinks I can do that based upon the degree to which there's a crisis in those states, how bad things are for the country, and if we don't do it, what happens? This is what Joe Biden said. In August, Biden's running mate, Kamala Harris, called for a three-month-long nationwide mandate for wearing masks. Uh, you know, this guy has got about as much brain matter as a dead flea, and that ain't very much. For him to sit there and and say that he's gonna he's that he will mandate a, a nationwide man put out a nationwide mandate to wear masks, um. Uh, yeah. Okay. And your legal your legal team says they think it's legal? I don't think so. I really don't. Because if it were, I think President Trump would have done it by now. And he didn't. Now the governors in some in some liberal states have mandated mask wearing, like here in New York. I still see people walking around without a mask on from time to time. Now, in regards to the vaccine uh, story that, that that we just talked about a moment ago, uh, Cherokee Rose, watching on Periscope, said that vaccine will be too will be too new regardless. No way I or my family would take that. For a very long time. And then, of course, regarding what I just brought up, so much for freedom under Biden-Harris. 
Vote Trump. <laughs> Couldn't agree more on that one, young lady. Couldn't agree with you more on that. So, Gunslinger, Biden says he's going to man- if he wins the election, he'll mandate nationwide the wearing of masks. The legality of which is still questionable. Because, like I said, if, if it were if it were legal to do so, I think Trump would have done that by now, wouldn't he? Go ahead. Well, anything out of that senile old fart is you can take it with a grain of salt. Number one, that's impossible. Okay. It is literally impossible. Um, how are you going to make every person in this country, if it was legal, which I don't think it is, uh, it's unconstitutional, you can't do that, uh, wear a mask, for example, if he was able to do this? <laughs> you think these gangbangers out here, and you think these fucking criminals, and you think these dope-head, doped-up motherfuckers out here from coast to shining coast, he's going to wear a mask. Seriously? (laughs) What about these illegal motherfuckers that are slithering over the border? You think they're going to put a mask on? (laughs) Good luck. You just, you could, well, that only proves the most ridiculous things that this idiot has said. Okay. And people actually believe this fool. Man. Come on, man. Go ahead. Yeah, tell me about it. Well, Attorney General Barr has finally uh, responded to the rumors Trump would refuse to leave office if he loses the election by saying that's crap. Check this out. And this comes from the Attorney General William Barr. In an interview with the Chicago Tribune, Attorney General William Barr went after Democrats on a range of issues, including rumors that President Trump would attempt to stay in office if he loses the general election in November. You know, liberals project, liberals project, an uncharacteristically salty Barr said during his Monday interview, you know the president is going to stay in office and seize power and all, and all that shit. I've never heard of that crap. I mean, I'm the attorney general. I would think I would have heard about it. Though the focus of the interview was crime and corruption in U.S. cities, particularly in Chicago, Barr also used the opportunity to address several issues that have dominated the news cycle leading up to the presidential election. There undoubtedly are many people in the government who boy, I'm doing good with the tongue tie here tonight, folks, who surreptitiously work to thwart the administration. The Attorney General told the Chicago Tribune's John Cass host of the Chicago Way. Barr also said the U.S. was approaching a ruled 
by the mob approach to governance. Increasingly, the message of the Democrats appears to be Biden or no peace, he added. Barr said he agreed the upcoming election was the most significant election of a lifetime, a position taken by both Trump and Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. As an attorney general, I'm not supposed to get into politics, Barr told Cass, but I think we are getting into a position where we're going to find ourselves irrevocably committed to a socialist path. And I think if Trump loses this election, that will be the case. The, con- the conversation diverted to voting rights and the safety of mail-in voting, with the attorney general suggesting that postal workers will be able to be paid off in order to buy the in order to buy the blank ballots that are routinely distributed for presidential elections. I just think about the way we vote now. You have a precinct. Your name is on a list. You go in and you say who you are. You go behind a curtain. No one is allowed to go in there to influence you. And no one can tell you how to, uh, no one can tell how you voted. All of that is gone with mail-in voting, according to Attorney General Barr. Several states, including Colorado, Hawaii, Oregon, Utah, and Washington, automatically submit mail-in ballots to all state residents for the general election. Due to the coronavirus, over 20 other states have taken measures to ensure citizens can vote by mail rather than at a polling station in come November, a measure that the Trump administration has claimed threatens the validity of the voting process. There's no more secret vote with mail-in vote. A secret vote prevents selling and buying votes. So now we're back in the business of selling and buying votes, Bartol Cass. And the capricious distribution of ballots means harvesting, under influence, outright coercion, paying off a postman, here's a few hundred dollars, give me some of your ballots. But Democrats in Congress believe the Trump administration is working to prevent mail-in voting to circumvent voting during the general election in an attempt to sway the 2020 presidential election results. Congressional Democrats initiated an investigation following comments made by Trump suggesting he purposefully blocked funding to the U.S. Postal Service to prevent their ability to cope with the expected increase of mail-in ballots as a result of the pandemic. The House passed a bill that would grant the United States Postal Service $25 billion in funding to aid them with the increased mail load through the election. The bill is currently awaiting the Senate's vote, though the White House has already said they would veto, that they would veto any such bill. Barr further accused Democrats of purposefully sowing doubt in the minds of Americans as, the, as to the validity of the election's results, a strategy that congressional Democrats have accused the president of attempting. They're creating an incendiary situation 
where there will be loss of confidence in the vote, Barr claimed. It'll be a close vote. People will say the president just won Nevada. Oh, wait a minute. We just discovered 100,000 ballots. Every vote will be counted. Yeah, but we don't know where these freaking votes come from. Folks, if you remember some weeks back on this broadcast, I brought up how during a primary in Ohio, they mailed out ballots to to the people to sign and send back. Well, wait a minute. Just sign them and send back. This tells this means that the ballots were already pre-filled with the candidate they wanted you to vote for in the primary. Now imagine that happening in the general election on a mass scale. That's voter fraud, ladies and gentlemen, plain and simple. That's why this that's why this 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 old boy right here is voting in person. And I don't give two shits what anybody says. I will be at the ballot box. I will vote in person because I intend to make my vote count and I hope you will too. Gunslinger? Well, yeah, I mean it's, uh, if you get out there and, you know, in person, it's a lot better but, uh, you know, you just got to take the time if you're going to vote by absentee, for example. To verify that they got it and to verify that it was yeah, I did it in 2016. I got the ballot, sent it in. Two days later, I called. I said, I want you to check to make sure that you got it and it was registered. And she said, yes, we got it and it's registered. So now that's just where I live now. I can't speak for any place else, but it worked for me. Okay. But I still say that it's your idea of the uh, leaving the polling places open for a week. Okay, and the sanitation crews and all that shit—they can do that. Okay, they did everything else. Why not? <laughs> you know. Go ahead. You know what we're gonna do? Everything. Oops. Sorry, folks. I was setting up for the closing of the show, and I forgot to turn my mic back up. Look, bottom lining it, I, I came up with this idea right here on this broadcast. And if I can come up with that kind of an idea, why can't they? Why can't they just say, you know what, we'll open the polls on Monday from 6, p- from 6 in the morning to 9 p.m. at night. And do that every single day for the whole week. Now, think about this, America. If they were to actually do that, the necessity for mail-in voting would be cut out. And the only mail-in votes that would be necessary would be the absentee ballots when people are going on vacation or know that they're not going to be able to vote on Election Day in person. So, it's a simple idea. It's not, it's not something that 
should be dismissed out of hand. And I really hope that the Board of Elections uh, and the Federal Elections Board would consider an idea like this. It's not impossible. They can do it. They just have to get off their ass and actually make it happen. They're going to have the voting machines and everything ready for uh, for the November election. So why not just move election day up one day to the to that Monday, and then from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. open the polls from Monday to Friday. It's not hard. They can do it. Question is, why haven't they come up with this idea? It's a shame. An idea like this is easy to is easy to talk about here on this broadcast, but federal elections officials and state election officials can't seem to get off their ass and, and even consider the idea. They've got the time between now and election day. It can be done. All they gotta do is do it. But I don't see it happening. But America, you can actually push them into doing it by calling your rep, your board of elections and say, look, why don't they just open the polls Monday at, 9 a, at 6 a.m. and close them at 9 p.m. and do the same thing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? It's not impossible. It can be done. So why not do that? Well, that's what we need, America. We need you to do that. Call your board of elections. Make that suggestion to them. And if you have to, tell them, hey, look, this guy on uh, this uh, Internet broadcaster, Firefox News Online's George Sinzer, said this, and he thinks it's a good idea, and he knows he thinks it will work, so why not do it? The extra setting up and planning for a whole week, not, it, it can be done. It's not rocket science. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Firefox News Online here on the multiple broadcasting platforms used by the Firefox News Online Internet Broadcasting Network. Thanks to Gunslinger and, of course, Cherokee Rose and everyone else watching and listening out there wherever you are, especially in archives. We'll be back Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 Central, and 7 Pacific Time on the multiple multiple broadcasting platforms used by the Firefox News Online Internet Broadcasting Network. For the comments I've made, that's the way it is from my perspective. I'm George Sinzer. Thank you so much for being here. We will catch you next time. And as always, y'all be good, and if you can't be good, be careful. If you can't be careful, please, for the love of God, do not name it after me. That's all I ask. And with that, we're out of here, America. Time to play that outro. Night gun. Thank you for tuning in to Firefox News Online. Firefox News Online is a production of Firefox News Online Productions. Any rebroadcast, transcript, either in whole or in part, without the express written permission of Firefox News Online Productions and its owner, is expressly forbidden. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Send your comments to us by writing comments at firefoxnewsonline.com. That's comments at firefoxnewsonline.com. Also, if you have any stories or topic ideas you'd like to share with us, send them to we Report at firefoxnewsonline.com. That's we report at Firefox. 
firefoxnewsonline.com. And be sure to check facebook.com slash FFNOIBN. That's facebook.com slash FFNOIBN for the links to the live broadcasts of Firefox News Online on the Firefox News Online Internet Broadcasting Network. Be sure to use hashtag FFNOP, that's hashtag FFNOP, to trend this broadcast and all Firefox News Online broadcasts globally on social media. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next edition. Let it be written, so let it be done.